you turn your Bible, please, to the book of 1 Timothy? First Timothy chapter 4. We begin with verse 11. First Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. And this passage this morning is a special challenge to all of us in light of the graduation of some of our friends and loved ones from high school and the university. A very simple message just based on the Word of God, and I've chosen to call this message, I Charge Thee. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that the Spirit of the Lord would speak to every one of our hearts, and may we receive the charge from the Scripture. We thank Thee for every mother and dad who has invested much of his life in a son or daughter to bring them to the point of graduation from high school and the university. We thank Thee for the diligent stick that has been part of the character and makeup of these sons and daughters who have attained this milestone. We thank Thee that the Spirit of the Lord has a message for us, and we pray that we might receive that message with gladness today. We pray for those in this place who have never been saved, that the Holy Spirit of God would move across their heartstrings today and move them to Calvary. May this be God's glorious hour of victory and salvation. Holy Spirit, do thy work of conviction. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. These things command and teach, said Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. A threefold challenge or charge this morning from the Word of God to everyone within the sound of our voice, especially to the graduates, to their parents, to their friends, and to every one of us who expects one day to graduate from life itself 
into the very presence of God. First of all, I charge thee, take heed to thyself. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. I think Paul would say first of all to every one of us, under the impression of the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of God has written and directed the Apostle Paul, take heed that you have a testimony. Take heed to yourself. Use a bit of introspection to look inside your own life, to be certain beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have passed from night to day, from darkness to light, from the shades of gloom to the glory of God. And the only way this can be true is for you to be certain beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're saved, that Christ is dwelling in your heart by faith, that you have had an experience with God and Christ has moved in on the scene and you do not have to go through life alone. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me in that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul is saying, first of all, be sure you have a testimony before the world, before your own family, before God, and before eternity that you're God's child that you have passed from darkness to light, that you have had an experience of saving grace with Christ. You cannot make it alone in life. He stood at the crossroads all alone with the sunrise in his face. He had no fear for the path unknown. He was set for a manly race. But the road stretched east and the road stretched west and there was no way to decide which way was the best. So my friend turned wrong and went down, down, down till he lost the race and the victor's crown and fell at last in an ugly snare because he failed at the crossroads there. Another friend on another day at the self-same crossroads stood. He paused a moment to choose the way that would stretch to the greater good. And the road stretched east and the road stretched west, but Christ was there to show him the best. So my friend turned right and went on and on till he won the race and the victor's crown. He came at last to the mansion's fair because he met Christ at the crossroads there. If you have not met Christ, if you have not received him as your personal Lord and guide and Savior and director, then by all means turn to him today. Go into a lifetime partnership with the Lord of glory. Paul says, take heed to yourself. Be sure you're on the road that marks, that's marked home. And then he says, 
Be sure to take heed to yourself that you have a purpose for life. The Bible says in Daniel 1.8, but Daniel purposed in his heart. He had a purpose for life. Daniel was a citizen of Jerusalem. The Babylonian hordes came in when he was a young boy and took captive all of the choice young people from Jerusalem and took them down to Babylon. And there the king wanted to make all of the young people from Jerusalem like the young people in Babylon. And so he said, you wine and dine these kids. Of course, here was Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, young men about maybe 14, 15, 16, 17 years of age. And the king said to his henchmen, you wine them and dine them, give them the king's wine and the king's meat. Many of the young people did what they were supposed to do because they were in Babylon. And when you're in Babylon, you do what Babylonians do. When you're in Rome, you do what Rome does. When you're at the football game, you do what the, everybody else at the football game does. When you're in school, you do what everybody else does at school. Many of the young people fell to this way of thinking, this philosophy. But the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart. He had taken heed to himself. He had already an encounter with the Lord God, and there were certain off-limits in his life. There were certain things that he said, I cannot do these because the Lord is in my life. Christ is already real to me. And Daniel purposed in his heart. He became, as it were, a primate in convictions. And when everybody said, drink, Daniel said, no, thank you. I don't need to drink. When everybody said, you wine and dine and live like everybody else, Daniel said, no, thank you. I've had an encounter with the Lord God. I have a purpose for life, and I cannot come down to live like the rest of the crowd. And I think Paul would say under the impression of the Holy Spirit to the graduates today, to all of the young people in high school, in junior high, in the university, to all of those who go to work in factories, wherever you are, if you take heed to yourself, there will be a purpose for life. You will have a purpose in living, and you will not fall prey to all of those who would misguide you and mislead you down life's way. Take heed to yourself. Secondly, Paul would say, not only take heed to yourself, but let no man despise thy youth. Now, why would anybody despise a young person? Well, in the 1960s, there were young people all over America who were demonstrating and burning their draft cards and uh, having all kinds of demonstrations. Many of you remember that. Well, we're not doing so much of that in the 1970s. There are very few burning their draft cards or having demonstrations because there's very little to demonstrate against today. There's a promiscuous society that says, do your own thing, live it up, do anything you want to live, do any, live any way you want to live. And Paul, in the midst of all of this, and remember that modern day America is not so much unlike ancient Rome. Someone has written the book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. And someone has recently written a parody on that, the rise and fall of Western culture, speaking of America. And they have pointed out that all of the background problems 
that Rome faced just prior to her knuckling under the barbarians of her day, America faces and is tending to knuckle under the barbarians of our day. And so Paul, in the face of all of that, says, let no man despise thy youth, Timothy. You're a young person. There are people who would look at you and say, oh, well, that's the way all young people live. Why, they all sold their wild oats, wild oats. They all just live any old way. They all have low philosophies, and they all are uninterested in bettering themselves. They all live the way Rome lives because this is the day. And in ancient Rome, there was homosexuality on the rise, just as there is today. In ancient Rome, there was drunkenness. There was perversity. There was waywardness. There was a lifestyle detached from reality and from the facts of life. Timothy, Paul said, Timothy, don't live in such a way that people will say, oh, that's just a young person. That's the way he lives. Paul says, avoid those pitfalls. Be thou an example of the believer in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Don't live a low life, but live an elevated life. Live a life that is above reproach. Live a life that is commensurate with the testimony you have given. If you're a Christian, let others know it. If you know the Lord, let other people recognize that you know the Lord. If you're a believer in Christ when you go to school, act like a believer in Christ. If you're a Christian when you go to the factory, act like you're a Christian going to the factory. Let no man despise the fact that you're a youth or your youthfulness just seems to bubble over and outspace your judgment and your understanding. And then I think he would have remind us of three pitfalls, and they're all mentioned in these chapters. In chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He reminds us that the love of money is a pitfall for Christians. Now, not money itself. There's nothing wrong with earning money. There's nothing wrong with having a bank account. There's nothing wrong with having a savings account. But the love of money, which will lead men to cheat and lie and live low lives, the love of money is a pitfall. Some people have sold their souls for the dollar bill. Some people that I know say, I'd rather live, as it were, in hell than to live in a place where there were higher taxes. One of the persuasive arguments that the liquor forces presented to Bowling Green years ago when we voted liquor into the city wet was that our tax money, our taxes would be lower. If we live in a society, said they, where there is no income, no tax income from liquor, our taxes will soar. And so, one of the big arguments that helped to convince the people of Bowling Green to allow liquor to flow freely as it does today 
Well, so we would have lower taxes. And anybody that looks at the tax scales of Bowling Green recognizes immediately that we certainly do not have lower taxes. We have higher taxes because we have to have higher taxes to take care of the drunks that our liquor gives them. You see, the love of many, I've, I've had people say, but preacher, people who run liquor stores, but preacher, you will not take any stand against those things. I have to earn money. And so they're willing to scrap their convictions, do away with any kind of spiritual strength they had in their lives so they can earn their living. And that's exactly what Paul was saying. The love of money blinds you to the realities and the convictions of life. And I would say to you graduates, do not allow this to happen in your life. Get your eyes set on things above. Set your affection on things where Christ dwells at the right hand of the Father. Let those be your lifelong goals. And do not go into the pitfall that comes by the love of money making its appeal to you. And then secondly, I think he would remind us to watch out for false knowledge. In chapter 6, verse 20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, or of knowledge, falsely so-called. False knowledge. We're living in a time of knowledge explosion, learning explosion. Someone has figured out that every 10 years, the body of knowledge that is available to people today triples. So that what was available 10 years ago as knowledgeable facts has tripled today. And a person has to constantly read the journals and read the books and go to school, either in his own self-education way or into a formal university setting in order to keep up with the facts of our day. Now Paul says in light of all of this, avoid the pitfall of false knowledge. Science, falsely so-called. In the current issue of S.W.O.R.D., there's an excellent article by Dr. James M. Gray, past president of Moody Bible Institute, and he gives a very sympathetic and scholarly treatment of why believers in Christ, believers in the Bible, cannot accept the false knowledge of, of Darwinian evolution. And I would urge you to get that article and read it. You see, false knowledge has its premise built on theories, hypotheses, which have never been demonstrated nor proved. But the truths of the Word of God are the true knowledge upon which men can base the premises of their lives. So avoid false knowledge. And then thirdly, he would say, avoid the pitfalls of the swervers. <laughs> Look at chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which pointed to thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. 
In one translation, these are said to have swerved from the truth. The word picture is you go down the highway and you swerve in and out traffic, which uh, many of you are guilty of, I'm sure. Now, Paul says, don't swerve from the truth. Keep your eye straight ahead. Keep your eye on the truth and do not swerve into the pitfalls of Hymenaeus and Alexander who got their eyes off of the truth and they became shipwrecked. They ended in this ditch or they hit that telephone post or they made a wreck of their lives. And there are young people going out into life today who are on a course which is a swerving course and they will end in ditches and in wrecks and after a while the end of their life Satan will have them in the ditch and stomp them down and laugh at them. Avoid that pitfall, Paul says. Lastly, make sure of the reward. Make sure of the reward. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them who love his appearing. Make sure of the reward. Dear friend, it's not so much how you start out, but how you finish that's important. You go to the derby. I pray you don't go to that derby. You go to the horse races, and I pray you don't go to those. You go to the beach bend races, and I pray you don't go to those. But if you go to any race, all the cars line up the same. All the horses line up the same. When you see a foot race, all the men line up the same. And when the signal is given, the stroke of the gun, or the whistle, or whatever it is, they all take off the same. It's not how you start, but what happens down the road? What happens when you need to get that second wind? What happens down on the road? And how do you cross the finish line? That's the thing that's important. He's saying, be sure of the reward. Paul said, I started on the Damascus Road. A light came, and I saw Jesus. And I heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul said, who are you, sir? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And Saul said, what do you have me to do, Lord? And in that moment, Paul never forgot to give his testimony many, many, many times after that. He said, in that moment, I yielded to Jesus Christ. But suppose that's all that ever happened to Paul. Suppose when he got down on the road and he found some of the disciples that didn't like him very much, so he said, well, I'm just going to quit. You ever had anybody didn't like you very much? <laughs> ever have anybody make fun of you? Ever have anybody criticized you and took stands against you? That ever happened to you? Well, suppose when that happened to Paul, he said, I'm just going to quit. Or suppose when, when you flunked out on something, you made a mistake, and who has not made a mistake? So you say, well, I'm just going to quit. I make mistakes and I'm just, no, I can't keep on. I'm just going to quit. You get the quititis. Suppose that had happened to Paul. He could never have written to Timothy, Timothy, I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The question is not how did you start, though you need to have a good beginning. And of course you need to have a beginning that includes a vital connection with Jesus Christ through faith in His Son, in what Jesus did for you on the cross. But in addition to that, you need to go on with God. Go on with Him. Go on to perfection, as Hebrews 6 reminds us. Go on for God, because there's a finish line out there one day, and all heaven is watching, and there's a great arena, and over the battlements of heaven, the saints of other days are looking. They're watching to see how you're going to finish the course. And as you come up to that finish line, if you stop short of it, if you do not go across the finish line, you cannot say, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. And the rewards of all eternity are for those who keep the faith and finish the course. And of course, that's all tied up with how you began, whether it was a vital connection with Jesus Christ. And so as we charge you today, and as we charge ourselves, as the Scripture, the Word of God, speaks to our hearts, let me again remind you, let the Holy Spirit take control, be the persuader, be the coach, the director of every one of our lives so that when we come to the finish line, there be no regrets. May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, examine your own life, would you please, in the light of what we've said, what the Word of God has said. As you think through Take heed to thyself. Let no man despise thy youth. Make sure of the reward. Would you simply say, Lord, I want that to be true of me, of my life. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that just now, all across this audience, the Holy Spirit of God would speak to our hearts that we might allow the Lord to have His way, that we might determine within our souls not to be swervers, not to go away from the main line of service to Christ. And, oh God, those who are here without Christ, who have never received Him as Savior, may they come to Jesus today. We ask it in Christ's name, amen. Will you stand, please? We're going to sing God's invitation. As we begin to sing, there are many of you that need to come forward this morning and confess Christ as your Savior. Maybe you have been saved but have never confessed Him openly as your Lord. Would you come this morning and say, by the grace of God, I want to let everybody know that Jesus is living in my heart. Others of you need to move your church membership to this church from another church and say, I want to take a stand for God and serve the Lord at this place. There are others this morning who need to come and say, I want to start over again. I want to start serving the Lord, living for Him, honoring Him with my life. Would you do that? As we begin to sing, who will be the first to step out for the King, Christ Jesus? God help you to come as we sing. <clears throat>